Taiwan reported one new local infection of COVID on Wednesday. This was a caregiver who sought medical care after developing a headache two days ago. Due to changing employers, she had been tested for COVID multiple times before. The CECC is still investigating her case to determine when she was infected. She has a record of 12 negative tests in our system, but she wasn't tested at all between June 1st and July 3rd, so there is a gap in the records there. Her CT value now is 33.9. We'll carry out antibody tests to see whether or not she was recently infected. This new case was reported in New Taipei and seven of her contacts have been placed in isolation. Six of them have already tested negative for COVID. The vaccination blunder has put the spotlight on the administration process for the Pfizer COVID vaccine. 25 people were given a higher than recommended dose of Pfizer at New Taipei's Gong Hospital after staff failed to dilute the vaccine as required. According to the healthcare staff, Pfizer is exceptionally complicated to prepare. Getting it ready to go takes no fewer than 15 steps, and that creates lots of room for error. Doctors say more safeguards are needed at vaccination sites to reduce the rate of human error. This is a vial of undiluted Pfizer. It's a cloudy white liquid that is not yet ready for use. Dubbed the most complicated jab of all time, Pfizer takes 15 steps to prepare. Before the liquid is diluted, the vial must be inverted 10 times. Then 1.8 milliliters of saline solution must be added to the vial with a needle. The vial must then be inverted another 10 times to mix the contents thoroughly. After mixing, the liquid in the vial will look much more transparent than before. If the wrong amount of saline is added, particulate matter could appear in the vaccine, causing inflammation and even muscle damage in the body. If the liquid is not diluted at all and too much vaccine is injected, it could result in a violent immune response or severe allergic reaction. You'd have to monitor the recipient's biomarkers and even cardiac enzymes, as well as follow up with electrocardiograms. That would be absolutely necessary in such a case. The second vaccine dose may have to be postponed. You may have to wait until neutralizing antibodies are low enough to administer the second dose. The doctor says that close monitoring is necessary for people who received the wrong vaccine dose. This week, Taiwan reported cases of Pfizer overdose for the first time, but it wasn't the first time it's happened in the world. In the U.S., there are so far four reported incidents of vaccine overdoses. In some of those instances, patients developed flu-like symptoms and were hospitalized. In Japan, six people were injected with undiluted vaccines. Their health was monitored for a week. In South Korea, the same happened to 10 people, some of whom developed a fever and a headache. Over in Singapore, one person was mistakenly given five doses of the Pfizer vaccine. No major side effects were reported. We really need everyone to be careful. It's best to follow the three reads, five rights protocol. Double check the list when the patient comes. Have a good understanding of the vaccine's features. In October, four COVID vaccine brands will be administered, along with vaccines for the seasonal flu. Medical staff will have to pay close attention to the injection process to prevent mistakes.
Doctors say safeguards should be implemented at vaccination sites. They say that staff should check each other's work. Written reminders should also be used. Pfizer recipients can take the initiative of asking if the vaccine was diluted. The more layers of checks, doctors say, the lower the likelihood of vaccine mishaps. Taiwan has had more than 16,000 COVID cases since the start of the pandemic. Most have fully recovered, but some still have lingering symptoms long after testing negative and being released from isolation. In Taipei, one rehabilitation specialist has seen about a dozen patients who were asymptomatic or had only mild symptoms during the acute phase of the disease. Those patients went on to suffer long-term COVID effects, such as anxiety and difficulty breathing. Let's hear what he had to say. After recovering from COVID, even if you had only a mild case, you should still follow up with a doctor regularly. You should get checked for changes in your lung capacity. Perhaps get an x-ray to see if it's gotten worse or get a blood test. Basically, you should get treatment for any chronic conditions that may arise. Recovered patients have reported experiencing chest tightness, palpitations, and an abnormal sense of smell and taste. Taiwan hospitals have set up clinics specifically to help recovered patients treat their lingering symptoms. Ahead of the launch of quintuple stimulus vouchers, Ilan County has eased COVID rules at tourist attractions. Most arts and culture venues, including the city's main performance hall, can now operate at full capacity. It's also loosened its limits on group sizes for scuba diving classes and other popular water activities. Over in Jilong City, the mayor plans to open up more popular attractions starting this Friday. The port city will also slightly loosen public health rules at both day and night markets in a step toward restoring normalcy. Starting October 1st, we will encourage but not require the wearing of face shields. Here at Jilong's Miyako Night Market, vendors ply their trade wearing a plastic shield over a face mask. Starting October 1st, vendors will no longer need to wear a face shield. However, customers will still need to wear a mask and still may not eat outside of seating areas. At a Wednesday press conference, Jilong's mayor also announced the reopening of community centers. Basically, there will be an upper limit of 80 people inside. Activities that can restart include table tennis, fitness centers, and classes that don't require physical contact. But the ban will remain on indoor eating and drinking, karaoke, and classes that do require physical contact. Recreational fishing boats will be allowed to resume business. Jilong Islet and Daulan Beach will be fully reopened to visitors. The Waimushan coastal area, Wanghaishang Bay, and Daulan Beach will be open for fishing from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. In neighboring Ilan County, authorities relaxed some COVID restrictions on Tuesday. At the scenic attractions already reopened, we enforce crowd control by restricting visitor entry or parking. On September 28th, for all scenic attractions in the county's jurisdiction, we raised the capacity limit from 50% to 80%. Rules were also eased for water recreation. For stand-up paddleboarding, canoeing and snorkeling, each instructor can now lead eight people at a time, up from five. 
For scuba diving, each instructor can take six students up from four. At indoor art facilities such as the Elan Performing Arts Center, staggered seating is no longer required. Zhengxing Cultural and Creative Park can now admit up to 500 people at a time. As for all other arts and culture venues, they're authorized to operate at 100% capacity. All arts and culture venues can now operate at their normal capacity. However, we're asking everyone to abide by public health guidelines, keep a mask on and don't eat or drink. Movie theaters are reopening using this model. In compliance with CECC guidelines, local governments are easing restrictions on scenic attractions toward the goal of restoring normalcy. Game lovers, take note. COVID restrictions on playing mahjong will be lifted on October 5th. Mahjong parlors will be required to follow stringent hygiene rules like disinfecting tiles and installing dividers on tables. Players will be required to wear gloves, a rule that has sparked particular frustration among Mahjong lovers. The CCC says Mahjong is back on the table from October 5th, but you'll have to wear gloves. Serious players wonder how they'll draw the tiles. Alan has been playing mahjong for more than 20 years. He's tried out three types of gloves and says he can feel the tiles properly through any medical gloves. But the problem is, they make his hands sweaty. Drying tiles using latex gloves is a fussy affair. They're not too slippery, but their design gets in the way. Actually, it's probably just as thin, but it seems like it can't stick closely to our skin. Disposable synthetic gloves are breathable, but they don't let you get a good grip on a tile. You break the rules of mahjong if your hands slide over the tiles. We tried it before, but after just a few minutes wearing them, maybe you don't even feel it. But when you draw a tile, you suddenly realize your palms and backs of your hands are all sweaty. It spoils the fun to be dripping with sweat after less than one hand. But the CECC insists, as a contact game, mahjong must be played in gloves. The tiles must also be cleaned before and after use. Nonetheless, mahjong parlors are delighted to be reopening and have stepped up preparations for COVID-secure business. They've got dividers at all the restaurants, so we've prepared dividers for Mahjong too. The dividers have gone through several improvements and we've noticed they're very easy to use and effective for hygiene purposes. One divider for a Mahjong table can cost 2,700 NT. Ever ready, acrylic sheet manufacturers have sprung into action. At this divider production line in the Taichung factory, sheets of plastic are constantly being cut to create screens for Mahjong players. As soon as the CECC made the announcement yesterday, I got over 100 orders in one day. But those 100 orders can't all be fulfilled instantly. Unlike dividers for restaurants, mahjong dividers need a small opening at the bottom so players can shuffle and draw tiles. That means one divider takes five or six hours to produce. Manufacturers are working flat out. After three months shut, parlors are keen to get their tiles back on the table. Mark your calendars for the twice-a-year spectacle known as Taipei Fashion Week. Top Taiwan designers will showcase their 2022 spring-summer collections during the 15-day event, which starts on October 3rd. Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang gives us a preview.
Models strut down the runway. This is the media preview for Taipei Fashion Week. The event will showcase the works of 16 Taiwanese designer brands. The 15-day Taiwan Fashion Week will be held physically as well as virtually. Entertainer Jia Yongjie is the ambassador of the show, which has sustainability at its core. This time, I'm seeing a lot of attention paid to the issue of the environment. This means the industry is not solely focused on beautiful garments or following the fashion trends, but on how fashion can impact environmental sustainability. The event will feature a series of online and physical designer pop-up stores, as well as physical and virtual runway shows. Taiwan's deputy cultural minister said that Taipei Fashion Week is always seeking innovation, change and breakthroughs. At Taipei Fashion Week Spring Summer 2022, our goal is to seek innovation, seek change, seek breakthrough, and seek integration. In the spirit of these four goals, we were able to organize a physical and virtual show on schedule, even amid the epidemic. We've put together a good overview of Taiwan's clothing history from the 1960s to 2020. Taipei Fashion Week will be held at Songsan Cultural and Creative Park and other areas of downtown Taipei from October 3rd to 17th. For most of news, Stephanie Yang, Huang Hongyu in Taipei. A revolution is underway in the auto industry, with manufacturers racing to develop electric vehicles. To feed this industry's need for semiconductor technologies, the Industrial Technology Research Institute launched an auto chip project on Wednesday. It plans to build a research and testing base for compound semiconductors in Tainan. One goal is to attract domestic and foreign investment to drive economic growth in the region and nationwide. With car exhaust accelerating global warming, the race is on to develop electric vehicles which don't depend on gas and don't produce emissions. For the world's electric vehicle industry, compound semiconductors are one key to powering growth. Besides using alternative energy, a very important factor in this industry is improving the efficiency of using that energy. We're located in the south because the south's automotive component industry is already very mature. At its Shalun Green Energy Technology demonstration site in Tainan, Eitri has launched the Rainforest Initiative for Compound Semiconductors. Eitri plans to build Taiwan's first industrial zone focused on electric vehicle applications and compound semiconductor technology for auto electronics. The automotive industry in Taiwan's Tainan in southern Taiwan has already connected to the market. What it lacks is select technologies. So we launched this rainforest initiative in hopes of driving development in auto components with a focus on compound semiconductors. We will leverage pre-existing relationships with auto vendors and frontline manufacturers to bring this applied auto electronics technology to the global market and to drive industrial growth in southern Taiwan. For both electric car and electric scooter manufacturers, this is a great opportunity to adopt next-generation technologies. This can also be a way to mitigate supply chain issues. For example, this could bring relief to the global shortage of raw materials. So we're feeling good about this initiative and we wish it the best. Vice President Lai Qingde attended the launch ceremony. He said he hoped the initiative would build a semiconductor base in the south and propel economic growth across Taiwan. Taiwan's Paralympic athletes were honored in a reception at the presidential office on Wednesday. President Tsai thanked for the team for representing Taiwan this summer in Tokyo. 
She also pledged greater government support for Taiwan parasports. Let's hear from her. I want to tell you all that following the Tokyo Paralympics, the government is resolved to do even better in its promotion of parasports and in the support for Paralympic athletes. Tokyo was my sixth time competing in the Paralympics. It was also the games that moved me the most and that left the most lasting impression on me. The best part is that this time around, we weren't treated differently. We are also the pride of Taiwan. We do our people proud. Perhaps physiologically, we do have some differences with Olympic athletes. But in our hearts, we strive for those medals and yearn to bring glory to our country just as much as they do. That's always been true. At the presidential office, Taiwan's honor guard saluted the Paralympians by forming a saber arch. During the reception, President Tsai hailed the athletes as heroes of the nation. Every year for 29 years now, Guandu Arts Festival has brought together artists from Taiwan and abroad in a showcase of performances, drama, music and exhibitions. This year's festival will be held for two months on a university campus starting October 2nd. Our very own Stephanie Yang takes us there. The Guangzhou Arts Festival has entered its 29th year. The 2021 edition will feature a series of music, films, dance and drama programs held at the Taipei University of Arts. This year's festival will be themed from Luzhou to Guangzhou, 30th anniversary. Back then, the campus was Luzhou campus, which is now National Open University. Later on, our school moved to Guangzhou. In the last 29 years, the Guangzhou Arts Festival has been the only university in Taiwan to launch a regional and international art festival. Because of the pandemic, we made drastic adjustments in the past two years. Last year, Taipei University of Art launched the Technology and Art Pavilion in Taiwan. Dance performances will be the main draw of this year's festival. One highlight is an interactive show called Dancing GPS. Participants wear headphones and tour the campus while enjoying the show. We hope that through these dance performances, people will be able to look at dance through a new lens. Dance should not be limited to a frame, so we take everyone out of the theater by using guided tours. Participants will wear headphones and immerse themselves in the beauty of the campus. The festival runs from October 2nd to November 28th. For most news, Stephanie Yang, Huang Pengyu in Taipei. From Penghu County, reports are coming in of a mysterious skin rash. Over just three days, more than 100 people have sought medical help for red marks that appeared on their bodies. One doctor thinks the rash is an allergic reaction to caterpillars. Specifically, it's a reaction to their bristles, which can contain poison. In breezy weather, bristles from the caterpillars are blown into the air. If they come into contact with human skin, they can cause a mild rash. The doctor emphasized that the recent rashes have nothing to do with water quality and that they are not a side effect of COVID vaccines either.